Welcome to College Unbound, the weekly podcast by Focus Collegiate, dedicated to diverse learning in the college environment. Thank you for joining us. I'm Jane Taylor here with Focus Collegiate founder Grant Liebersberger. Hi, Grant. Nice to see you again. Yeah, thanks for having me again. This is a pleasure. This week, our topic is the learning agenda. Last week, we talked about student-focused, self-directed avenues to intentional change. The learning agenda is essentially the roadmap between a student's reality and their aspirations. Tell me a little bit more about that, Grant. Yeah, sure. Well, the learning agenda is the output of dialogue between ourselves and our students about what their strengths are and what their gaps are. And the learning agenda really seeks to try to bring those two concepts in alignment. And that's a lot of what we look for when we're looking for student growth. Are they able to identify their personal strengths? And do they have the requisite self-assessment skills to be able to acknowledge what maybe they're not so good at? And so the learning agenda is something that we dialogue with our students and actually write down on paper um, or on the computer in this case. And, uh, and it becomes what we refer to as the student support agreement. And we'll probably talk about that later. But the, uh, but the learning agenda is the expression of how does a student build on their existing strengths while reducing their perceived gaps. And part of the learning agenda and the ability for us to get there is really predicated on the fact that a student does have the requisite self-assessment skills. And if a student doesn't necessarily understand their learning profile, then that's where we start. Students Mm -hmm. have to understand more about what their strengths are because the reality is for most of our students, we need to build on strengths in order to build the resiliency uh, for a student to bounce back. And then we also need for students to be able to explain what they're good at and what they're not to other professionals or other people who are going to support them because the reality is they are a young adult and all of us, not just the students, but need to be able to communicate with our trusting and resonant people around us that, uh, that this is where we might need a little bit more or even better, let's make decisions that don't necessarily put us in a position of weakness. And so let's make decisions about classes or social activities that really cater to our strengths and not just put ourselves at a disadvantage right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about self-assessment, even as an adult who's not in college, I think I'm amazing. I'm not amazing at everything. How do you strike a healthy balance between a student's self-assessment and reality? We spend a fair bit of time in the, for lack of a better word, admissions process when we're working with our students to get requisite paperwork, neuropsychological reports, IEPs, and then talking with other people who have worked with the student to try to get a real sense of what the student is like and what their, again, strengths and maybe in terms of other perceptions of gaps. And then through, we don't expect that students are going to be amazing self-assessors right out of the chute, but we also expect that through our dialogue and through building trust and the resonant relationship that we're going to get 
90% of what the student feels about themselves. We don't expect everyone to be 100% self-disclosing because nobody really is. But, mm -hmm. but if we can get 90% there, then we can begin the honest conversation of what are, again, are your strengths and gaps and let's figure out this learning agenda thing. But, uh, but the other reality is, is that uh, there are times in which people, students are hesitant to fully self-disclose and so, or reluctant or embarrassed. And so what we try to do is create an environment that we can um, get the most self-disclosure from a student. And we do that through trusting resonant relationships, kind of demystifying their quote unquote diagnosis. We don't really treat our students like they're a number or a DSM category. Uh, and we, but because we're all just people. And so demystifying support, demystifying process, demystifying diagnostics really helps in student self-disclosure. And then there are times in which maybe we have to nudge a little bit in the direction of reality. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and being an accurate and reliable self-reporter is one of our goals for our students. And we, again, we expect that they're going to be 90% there when they get to us, but, but it is something that we certainly almost always address in our relationships. What kinds of skills are assessed in the learning agenda? But we, we tend to build on a couple of different, what we call areas of focus or core skills. And first of all, for almost all of our students, they have the intellectual horsepower to do college. It's really rare that a student does not have that. So we're, we're very rarely doing full-blown academic assessments, but we are for, for some of our students who might have a language-based learning disability, dyslexia, dysgraphia, we're, we're looking for what um, you know, our, my learning specialist would call the shortcuts or, uh, or the avenues of least resistance with a student with a particular learning profile to, to head down so that they're not at a disadvantage. Uh, in the collegiate setting. We're also trying to assess life skills. We're also trying to assess executive functioning competencies. And lastly, the social integration piece. How well is a student going to perform on campus? How easily are they going to make friends? One of our greatest challenges sometimes is students becoming overwhelmed in college and then isolating and then getting behind. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's, it's a real challenge when that happens. And so we find that if you address all of those areas of focus, because none of them occurs in a vacuum, that you are going to be able to uh, keep all the plates spinning, as I say, uh, in college, because a life skill that is not well attended to will for sure impact academics, or mm -hmm. uh, an academic failure will impact social uh, interactions and competency. And so all of these things are integrated. And if you don't pay attention to them all in concert that you run the risk of one of them impacting the other and therefore you end up with a challenge. And our goal is to help students stay afloat. Yeah. Thinking about life skills and social integration, these students are coming into a brand new environment. They might not have any of the life skills they need to live in a college dorm or integrate socially 
thinking about when I started college, thinking about how frightened I was when my parents drove away. And my life skills and my social integration skills were sort of, I had to learn them real quick on my feet. So how do you give your students a leg up in this completely new environment. Sure. And you're right. The novel environment is novel. And that's where, and frankly, that's where the opportunity for growth is too. In experiential learning models, you see that the more novel a setting is, the more opportunity there is for growth. And that's what we try to harness with our students is this novel experience of going to college. Now, Thankfully, we have the college because that does provide some structure for the student. It's not just like them going out on their own and moving into a flat in midtown Manhattan or something where they have to figure it all out. Mm -hmm. um, so college provides us with a little bit of structure that we can work inside of because we know that the student is going to be able to feed themselves if they can get to the dining hall. And the student is going to, if they show up, be involved in a bunch of orientation activities dependent on the quality of the university in terms of onboarding the students. And so there is some basic structure in there traditionally. And the way that we help our students is most of our students have a limited bandwidth for how much social they can do. And I think that's true of everybody, but for most of sure. our students, we have to figure out what is their area of interest and then target them toward those activities on campus. And so as part of the learning agenda we build with them, we try to figure out their areas of interest, what's available on campus and try to get them started in that direction. And once there's momentum, most of our students are fine, uh, they, you know, because they find their people, as they say. Mm -hmm. I had a young, mm -hmm. uh, another young student the other day say, I went to this campus because he's visiting, you know, he's looking into colleges uh, for the fall. And uh, he said, I went to this campus and I found my people. And I love to hear that because that is oh, the ticket. Nice. Once, if a student feels like they found their people, they have found the kindred part of the equation where they're part of the tribe. Once a student finds that, then a lot of other avenues to social integration um, are opened up. It sounds like the learning agenda includes more than just academic pursuits. Is certainly, yeah, certainly. We're, we're, we're addressing all of those kind of core skills that I talked about in terms of, again, social integration, executive functioning is a big one. You know, how do we go about our day structurally, uh, the life skills piece, and then, you know, the academic piece a little bit less, uh, except for the fact that all students need to know how to deal with their course management system, how all students need to know how to get to places in time and, and what the general layout of their campus is. And so you know, those types of things, but yes, the learning agenda is comprehensive in that, Again, you have to touch on all of those areas because if you leave one of those uh, alone, one of those areas will certainly impact another. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about the relationship between a student's learning profile and their learning agenda. Ah, interesting. So by going through the process of the learning agenda, we are, again, having an honest dialogue with our students about what their strengths and gaps are. Oftentimes, if a student's self-assessment skills are requisite enough, they will be in line with everything that we've explored through their neuropsychological testing, through other forms of documentation. If they're not in alignment, then we have an opportunity to uh, work with a student and really 
sit down with them and their paperwork and help them understand what their strengths and relative gaps are, at least on paper. And we have a, we have a saying at Focus Collegiate that people on paper aren't real people. But at the same time, it provides us an opportunity to educate the student. And also because oftentimes many of our students are eligible for academic accommodations on campus, they have to present this paperwork to somebody on the campus. And so for a student to understand what their presenting to the academic accommodations office and be able to describe what kind of accommodations that they may benefit from is to the student's distinct advantage. And, and then we talk honestly with our students about building on strengths and reducing gaps. And although we can't work on everything in a semester, we can generally come up with a plan with a student to target the most urgent or pressing skills that a student's going to need in order to be able to survive the college experience, for lack of a better Mm -hmm. It sounds a little bit like a personal mission statement for college students. New college students are facing a barrage of new and untried experiences, activities, and ideas. How does the learning agenda address the rapid pace of change yeah, good, that good, good question. students face? I think it's important to understand that the learning agenda is not static. It's not something mm. that is just etched in stone. And as a matter of fact, we're re revisiting it, if not every meeting, certainly every couple of weeks. Is this what is necessary right now? Is, is what we're doing working? Do we need to change up the method or frequency of support that a student receives because of, again, new and novel things coming into the student's life? And so the learning agenda is not static. And so therefore, it's always changing and then is thereby responsive to the student's needs. Uh, I like to say that the the life of a young adult changes very, very rapidly, you know, week to week. And so yeah. if we're not flexible or continually reassessing the environment, then we're doing our students a disservice. Do students become attached? Do they become committed to their learning agenda? This is my learning yeah. agenda. <laughs> um, I think sometimes, uh, but again, you know, I think the learning agenda is more about the dialogue than it is about concrete. It's just, but it does provide us with a way to structurally have the conversation. And then it makes it easier for us to refocus when the student is going off in a direction that might be unproductive. We get to harness because we get to remind the student of, okay, well, remember your vision, remember what we talked about in terms of the learning agenda, how is what you're doing today going to benefit this process? Mm -hmm. And therefore, it keeps us from going the millions of different ways that we could possibly go in our dialogue, because uh, we love to have fun with our students. And at the same time, time is precious. And so we need to continually help our students refocus and keep their eyes on the prize, as they say. Mm -hmm. So the learning agenda is not the prize, it's just the road to the prize. Yeah, if you look at the intentional change theory, it's a cyclical process. And so it's, it's never ending, but it is the expression of what the student's ultimate ideal self or vision is. And so the learning agenda is just, you know, step three in a five-step secular process that we keep revisiting every semester, every week, every day sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'll bet many parents are wondering, does it work? <laughs> 
Does it work? Well, neuroscience says it does. Uh, and from our experience, this is the, I don't want to say the only way, but this is certainly, these are skills for life. They're just not for college. And we like to say that college is a metaphor for life. A lot of what people learn about who they are and how they do quote unquote life in general comes from the college experience. And so we're working with our students to build skills for life. And part of this is, again, an homage to self-assessment. Am I accurately reading the environment? Am I proceeding along a plan to achieve my vision, my goals? And this is really just a way of uh, keeping that process moving forward, harnessing the student's volition, harnessing their ideas for what excites them, what gets them up in the morning, uh, and, and having an ongoing dialogue about what is success going to look like, which keeps the enterprise moving forward. It makes me want to go back to college with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been terrific. Is there anything you'd like to add about the learning agenda before we wrap up? No, I think, again, you know, the learning agenda is only one step in the process. And I'm sure we'll talk about experimentation, practice, mastery. But, uh, you know, it's hard to assess something if you don't name it. And so that's really what the learning agenda does is it provides us with a basis to judge how well things are working and not. And so that's really the basis for the, the, the next steps, which is the exploration of life through the collegiate process. Thanks again. I learned something new each time we talk. My pleasure, Jane. Thanks. <laughs>